Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes, a walk-in clinic is on the cusp of opening at the former site on Toronto Road in Port Hope. In this interview with Mayor Olena Hankovinsky, you will get details of this ambitious proposal. The journey to get the clinic open has not been smooth for the mayor and councillor Les Andrews. You will hear how some doctors express concerns about the clinic, but you will also hear about the outpouring of support from other doctors, community organizations, and the public. Like any epic journey, there are ups and downs. Yet the mayor thinks they are 99% there. Have a listen and see what you think. I'm so pleased to have with me today Port Hope Mayor Elena Hankovinsky. Welcome back to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you again. Tell us about this push to get a walk-in clinic reopened at the former site on Toronto Road. Um, well, it's a it's really a project that that started last fall, and myself and Councillor Andrews um, had had started with a, a number of of meetings. It was it was really something that both he and I had talked about even during our campaign. It was something that we had heard from many residents in our community about when is the walk-in clinic reopening? It was closed during COVID and was never reopened. So it was something that we had heard during our campaigning. It was something that we started last fall. And of course it was in response to the need for having reasonable access to primary care in our community. And, you know, I'm happy to to say more about what, what that data says and what those numbers are at the moment. Well, then let me ask, how many people do need a family physician in Port Hope and, and what are some of the numbers that are influencing this this campaign? Sure. Well, you know, I think I, I, the first thing I want to emphasize is this is definitely not just a problem for Port Hope. It's not just a problem for Northumberland County. It's it's a problem right across the province. It's a problem right across Canada. So if we if we start at the at the Canadian national data numbers, we know that we've got now over six million Canadians without a family doctor. And in a in a recent survey that was done by Angus Reid and the Canadian Medical Association, we know that half of all Canadians do not have a primary care physician or have difficulty accessing timely appointments with their current ones. So this is, you know, this is a, this is a real crisis from um, right across at the national level in Ontario. We know that the number of folks that don't have a family doctor is over 2 million and that's only projected to grow in the coming two or three years because we know that 
quite a number of family physicians are going to be retiring. That includes in, in our area in the next two or three years. And if we distill it down to Northumberland County, we know uh, officially that we've got 4,000 unattached patients in the area and that number is growing. But even that number is not really painting the full picture because we do have folks across the county that on paper have a family physician, but because sometimes they've moved into the area, that family physician may be in Sault Ste. Marie, they may be in Brampton, they may be somewhere uh, in the western part of the province. Folks are really reluctant to give up that family physician, but we know if something comes up for them in their day-to-day -day lives, they're not going to be driving three, five, six hours to go see that family doctor. They need help um, more immediately. And so by default, the options right now in the community are largely to go to the hospital or to go in a, into a surrounding community where there is a walk-in clinic like Bowmanville. That's something I'd like to explore a little bit further, because what are you hearing when you talk to people uh, about how they're dealing with these things? You mentioned a few things generally, but what are people doing when they are sick? What what sort of resources are there available in Port Hope right now, other than the ones that you've described, which means they go outside of the community? So where do they go inside the community now if they are looking for assistance? Uh, largely the hospital. So it's it's all going to mostly to Northumberland Hills Hospital. That's that's what folks are saying that that largely that 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 is what that is what is uh, that is what is happening. So, you know, and I and I also sit on the physician recruitment um, committee for the area, and you know, I want to say that again, it's um, it, the the walk-in clinic initiative is truly one of many different solutions that we've got to try to do in the short term as we figure out longer term solutions to the shortages that that we have to primary care and the retiring of doctors is only one part of the equation we also know that our training programs are you know not keeping they're, they're not um, keeping pace with training enough um, people to do family medicine there's, there's also the reality that fewer doctors, fewer medical residents are choosing family um, medicine. We also know that Canada as a country spends less per capita on, um, on primary care um, in comparison to other OECD countries. And then and then on top of that, we've got the challenges of, of those that leave the country to do training in other countries having a difficult time coming back to Canada to practice, or we also have foreign trained doctors that are in the country that are finding it difficult to become licensed because, um, you know, there are processes and there's, there's a lot of red tape. So we've got, I think the last numbers were something about 13 or 14,000 doctors in the country. So we have doctors in the country, but they can't get licensed. So, you know, the walk-in clinic is just a small drop in trying to find a short-term immediate solution to those people in our community for whom universal health care is not a reality. Have you been talking to residents at all about their situation? And if you have, can you share maybe a story or two about what they're experiencing? Yeah, 
Um, well, it's yes, it's interesting. I I can uh, I can provide you two little anecdotes. One is that um, I've heard residents say, you know, if my uh, if my cat or dog gets sick, I can get them better care than I can for and faster care than if a member of my family that doesn't have access to a family doctor can get. So, you know, I think that's you know that's pretty stark uh, when you think about that. Others talk and share experiences of the difficulty of, you know, going into the hospital and waiting hours and hours and hours, because sometimes the issues they're coming with are, you know, they're not life-threatening. They're they're not as acute as, um, as some of the things that the hospital, in fact, should be dealing with. And so they get triaged and they're waiting sometimes a whole day, sometimes, um, you know, 10, 12 hours. And, and this is not to say at all, our hospital is absolutely excellent. Um, I, you know, I, I want to say that the, the frontline staff here is amazing in the community. I also want to acknowledge that the province of Ontario is putting in additional funding into our Ontario health teams to ensure that there's better integrated care, there's more access to care. I also, you know, really want to acknowledge the family doctors that we do have in our community, the ones that are working in practices, the ones that are are taking on um, significant rosters of patients, opening up after hours, opening up on um, on weekends to improve um, access to timely care. But even with all of those things, it still doesn't change the fact that we have 4,000 and growing and probably, you know, in reality, almost double that of folks that either don't have a doctor or have a doctor in a place that is not reasonable for that timely, timely access, uh, timely access to care. And so, you know, you know, going back to what people are saying, well, they're saying that they'll avoid going to the to the hospital because they know that it just takes, um, you know, far too long. Um, so that means delayed diagnosis. Often it means frustration navigating the complex system. Sometimes it means patients are, you know, <laughs> left to their own devices to try to sort out their medical concerns. And you know, these are the things that we need to address really urgently. I'd like to move on now and talk about the clinic itself. So it was not that long ago that Colborne announced an outreach clinic. It was providing mm -hmm. a range of services. Now, will Port Hope be the same or is it going to be something different? The the um the vision for the clinic in Port Hope is going to be, I mean, the where we're starting is quite modest. Um we're thinking about opening on Wednesdays and Fridays from three to seven PM and on weekends from around eleven and five. There's a little flexibility there depending on our, our final scheduling. And and why did you know why did we start with that? We started with that because it was the data that had been collected prior to the clinic opening, indicating that those days and times were the ones that there was the highest demand in the community. So we, we thought we would start there. We thought we would start with trying to attract doctors into those spots with very modest asks. So, so asking some of them, you know, if you don't have the time, would you come once a month for a few hours to help out to, to launch, um, 
this, this clinic. And, you know, that's, that's the starting place. And I'm really happy to report that we are just about over, over the line in terms of having enough um, doctors to be able to start with that kind of schedule. Uh, we, we still have access to the location we had before on Toronto Road. We have spoken with the landlord there and had some conversations with the pharmacy in the building to help offset some of those costs. We've had the cooperation and support of the Rotary Club in Port Hope, as well as the Health Foundation here that has always been very instrumental in the running of the walk-in clinic. So all, all of the pieces are, are certainly coming together to, to make this, um, this clinic um, a success. And we had wanted to open it November 1st. And I still think that that is a, a, a realistic timeline. Interesting. I was going to ask you, uh, back in June, you said in an interview you were 48% there. So I was curious to say, what percentage would you say you're at now? Uh, probably sitting at about uh, 98%. So, um, you know, really, really good progress. And I and I really hope by the end of this week that we will be um, really definitively over, over that line and that we will be able to just then figure out some of the administrative and um, some of the coordination details about how to actually get those doors open on on November 1st. And, you know, I think it's the, the success that we've had over the last number of months has been largely because we do have good community support. We did have a very focused meeting with four doctors that had been expressing some concerns about having the walk-in clinic reopen. And we wanted to have just a really open and honest dialogue about that. I'd like to talk about that a little bit then. What were some of the concerns that doctors are having and, and what was raised at that meeting? Mm -hmm. Well, there's, you know, there there's definitely concern from some some of the doctors in the community that are working in FOES, and those are the family um, health medical teams in the community, because the way in which the billing structures are organized in the province is that if any of their rostered patients access medical help at the walk-in clinic, there is a there's financial repercussion to the practice and to the physician. So they get dinged financially if one of their patients comes through the walk-in clinic. They don't if the patient goes to the hospital. Now, of course, that's a that's a bigger issue to be talking about to the province because a visit to an emergency room versus a visit to a walk-in clinic costs very, very different amounts of, of money. So that's a that's a broader discussion to have around how the billing is happening. Um, and, and the position that certainly I take, and here I'm only going to, you know, speak for myself, is that, you know, doctors can continue to have uh, conversations with their patients about what their expectations are about them accessing the care that they have through the clinics that they are, you know, rostered in. Uh, you know, I can't guarantee, nor I don't think anybody else in the walk-in clinic can guarantee that um, that some patients who are rostered 
won't access that care. But we have certainly emphasized that the whole per- whole purpose of this walk-in clinic is to reach the unrostered, the unattached patients in in the community. And that when we take into account all of the risks and and benefits of of having a walk-in clinic, including the risk of those financial repercussions to to doctors themselves, that on balance, this is still, um, you know, a very good thing to do because as a community, we can decide, are we a caring community? Do we think that having reasonable access to care beyond going to a hospital is is a is a reasonable thing to ask for? Um, as a community, do we say that we don't want to do harm to the people in our community, and um, you know, not giving people the universal or the just the the right to universal health care is, in my opinion, um, a harm. What was the reaction when you made those arguments to them? What were you? What was your sense when you left the meeting? Have Have you been able to resolve successfully the tension, or how did you feel the doctors walked out of that meeting? Well, you know, I I think that on balance we had a very productive conversation about that. I I think we had to just have a difficult conversation about, you know, what what do we want for this community? What do we want? for the members of our community um, and what role can we all play here, understanding that there's always going to be risks and benefits. So I think it was a very honest conversation. I think we 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 listened, we learned. Um, I think it was a very respectful meeting. And I think part of the success of that meeting was how many of the doctors that actually attended that meeting have signed up to do a shift at uh, at the walk-in clinic, and so for me, that's you know that's definitely success. Um, but I don't think that that has has resolved um, some of the concerns that are you know that are that are still out there. Um, and I you know I just say that to both the rostered patients in our community, you know, I think we all have for those in the community that have access to a doctor. It's your responsibility to speak up and speak up for those that don't. And, you know, for the doctors that may still have concerns, I would just say, you know, no solution to the healthcare crisis in our country, in our province, in our community is perfect. No solution is without costs and consequences, but we have to try to make a difference. And certainly from a political perspective, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm I'm willing, you know, to take the criticism because I truly believe that um, lives depend on it. You mentioned earlier you had a number of groups that you were working with, the Community Health Centers of Northumberland, the Rotary Club you mentioned earlier, the Ontario Health Team of Northumberland. Can you describe what each of these groups has brought to the table in order to make this project successful? Well, I think they've brought to the table, a, you know, a, a, an ability to to roadmap what is happening in the community and all of the different efforts that are being made to, frankly, improve the delivery of timely and appropriate care to our population. And from each quarter, everybody is doing 
um, their best to make those improvements. And, and I think at the same time, everybody is struggling with the challenges that we have in front of us. So I think the fact that we are all coming together at a table, that we're having the conversations, that we're understanding that there's, you know, there's not going to be any one initiative that's going to solve it, that we have to continue to try to do things. We have to keep the communication over open and we have to ultimately coordinate our efforts. Those are the important things moving forward. And, you know, maybe in time, Robert, we we and we won't need a walk-in clinic. Maybe in time we'll be in a position where every, you know, every single member of our community are great percentage of the members of our community have access to the to the care when when they need it without overburdening our hospital. I mean, the hospital is there because um, we have acute and crisis situations that happen, we know, day to day in all of our lives. And we don't want to be um, impeding the ability of those frontline workers that are already so overburdened and stressed with dealing with issues that we could be dealing with better outside of the walls of of the hospital. The walk-in clinic is only temporary and it's not getting people a physician. What can you give us some idea of what's going on with physician recruitment which would obviously be the ideal solution to mm. this situation? Well, I think there's two things here. One, when you asked me what the community had shared about their experiences with, you know, currently where they're at, but also some that had shared experiences of the previous walk-in clinic is that they said when they were new to the community that it was through the walk-in clinic that they were able to identify and then get access to a family doctor. So, you know, that that is one thing. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen necessarily, but that's one of the experiences that has been shared. In terms of the physician recruitment, um, that's just going to take more time. And, and the committee and, and Linda, um, you know, have, have been working very diligently to find a number of different strategies around how to bring physicians into this community, how to start recruiting them, right out of their medical uh, training, right through to now exploring whether or not we might be able to pilot some retraining or upskilling of, of those physicians that do live in our community, but have not been able to get their license, whether or not through some new, new provincial monies, we might be able to work on, on that as well. So there's really no, no stone that is unturned, but we are ultimately in competition with other communities across the province that are struggling with the same issues. Some communities are using really significant financial incentives to try to recruit doctors. Others are, are using housing, um, but the pool is small and the competition is is fierce. And while we work on all of the different strategies, um, I think we have to try some stopgap measures. And that's exactly what this walk-in clinic is about. Walk-in clinics themselves have changed. Many pharmacies offer walk-in services where you can access telemedicine. Why not just let these kinds of services fill the need? Well, you know, I think um, I think telemedicine certainly has its place, um, but I don't think it replaces 
um, some of the face-to-face -face interactions that are often needed for many um, many medical issues. And you know, it, it is it's very good that the provinces are now allowing the pharmacists to deal with a number of issues at the at the pharmacy counter. But uh, here and again is is a perfect opportunity, say in the location of the walk-in clinic, to have the pharmacy and the walk-in clinic be uh, a one-stop place for people to come and and perhaps deal with a, a number of issues that they have, again, without having to, to go to the hospital or alternatively not seeking care at all until it's, uh, it's later and people then get um, sicker. It's more of a strain on the healthcare system. And we don't want to be in a position where people aren't getting the care until it's too late um, to get the help that they could have had in a preventative um, way or in a way where timing was on their side with a, with an intervention. In April, Belleville closed one of its walk-in clinics due to rising staffing costs. There is also a virtual clinic called Good Doctors. It had 17 virtual walk-in clinics in Ontario. It shut down in January. And in that case, there was a nurse on site to do examinations and to collect samples, and they could contact the doctor virtually. What are your thoughts on this type of service? And is it what what are you looking to do that's different? And have you considered these sort of hybrid alternatives? to uh, the walk-in clinic that you're trying to create? Um, no, Robert, you know, I think that those kinds of services, they're, they're out there in the, in the world. Um, I think what we've heard from the community is that they do want to have a, a walk-in clinic here. And, uh, you know, even though it's located in Port Hope, it will be available to folks from right across the county, um, the staffing is going to be, we're going to be focusing on doctors first. We'll obviously have some administrative staff, but here is where the support of the, the Rotary and the, the Health Foundation here in Port Hope are going to be really invaluable in terms of some of the operating costs. And they they have been tremendous partners uh, right from the beginning. And they are committed to ensuring the success of this clinic. One of the things I was trying to get at too is is just how financially viable these kinds of services are. And can you tell us how much this is all going to cost and how you hope to sustain it? Well, it's it goes back to my last point. We we have a you know very uh, somebody who is doing all of the counting on this for us that was involved in the previous clinic. So it's very much based on experience and evidence from how the previous clinic at the same location ran. Um, as I had mentioned, my earlier comments were also have an opportunity to enter into a, a very productive partnership with the pharmacy that's in the building to offset some of the leasing costs. And then with the support of the Health Foundation and Rotary, we are going to be able to have a sustainable model that um, can operate in the way that I have described to you. What's the dollar figure? Uh, we don't have the final dollar figures in place yet. That's still something that's being worked out. Approximately. Uh, I'm not going to talk about approximate numbers. I'll, I, I'm happy to talk when I have all the final figures in, in place, but these are not insignificant contributions 
uh, on all sides. And I think the more important thing to emphasize rather than what's the dollar figure, I think that having partners in place that are willing to step up and ensure the financial viability of this project speaks to how important this is to the community and for the community. The provincial government just gave another $5.5 million to Northumberland Hills Hospital for more beds and increased services. Is there any indication there is money from the provincial government to help launch this new walk-in clinic? No, this is not something that um, the, the province is, is funding. They're really focusing. Um, I mean, it's it, it was a wonderful announcement and uh, a very important contribution to the hospital. Um, as I mentioned previously, the, the government is, is really working hard on improving the Ontario health teams uh, across the province and ensuring that they uh, expand the care that is available to the diversity of populations across the province. And I think this is a very important initiative. It's a wonderful development. Uh, we're still in nascent stages. There's still some wrinkles um, to be sorted out there, but we are moving in the right direction with that. But right now, um, none of these solutions, none of the funding is actually addressing the immediate need of those patients that, you know, that we're talking about. It's, you know, it's not addressing the needs of the elderly person in the community that doesn't have access to a family doctor, but has a number of different medical conditions that require attention. It doesn't help the new family that's moved into the community that can't not access a doctor here or may have a doctor somewhere in other parts of the province. It doesn't help the single mom um, whose child may, one of her three children may, may get a temperature and she's struggling with, do I go and to the hospital where I know the wait time is, is going to be a number of hours or do I, do I try to see how this goes at home? Um, you know, you can see the the sort of the, the trade-offs that people start to make in their own minds or or just the reality of, of the of the structures that they have to choose from. Is it frustrating at all to you to see the money going to these other places where you know that it's needed, but also the incredible demand that you've described so well to us several times in this conversation? Does yeah. it does it ever bother you a bit? No, because I I think that as I said, the 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 challenges in our healthcare system right now are are numerous, and you know hospitals need help. The infrastructure in hospitals is getting dated very quickly. The pressures on hospitals are great. We know that everybody knows that. If you know if you've been watching the news or following anything there, that's a reality. The Ontario Health Team model is a, is a wonderful model. The money that's being put into um, the provinces recently put into helping health professionals from other provinces move, move seamlessly into Ontario, that's great. Some of the money that they're putting into helping with foreign trained doctors um, practice in Ontario, these are all good. The solutions have to come from, um, they have to focus on many different areas and uh, no one, no one solution is going to be the panacea here. That's why we have to um, continue to work on all fronts. You mentioned earlier, <laughs> potentially in Northumberland County, four thousand people need uh, 
a family physician, you even said at one point that it could even be as many as 8,000. You're talking about opening a clinic one partial day and a bit on weekends. How do you make those those two things fit together when there's such a high demand? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. We we do know that people come from right across the county because we know this from the data of the previous clinic. So the previous clinic, I think um, the, the data showed that um, just over a quarter of folks um, from Port Hope accessed the clinic. Uh, another quarter came from the Coburg area and then the rest came from other parts of the county and, and beyond. Uh, you know, that is a reality. Um, you're right, we're not going to solve everything by opening Wednesday, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, but also the vision is that we will see how this goes. Um, we see this as a starting place. We hope that with time we can run the clinic full-time as we look um, towards some more permanent solutions and and hopefully as we get some some successes in recruiting more doctors into the community. How does the walk-in clinic fit into the Ontario Health Team Northumberland strategy? Well, they've been at the table um, and they they have been, you know, supportive of the initiatives, but in terms of how they imagine this exactly fitting into their strategic plan, that that's really a question for them. So we're waiting now for November 1st or what's next, I guess, is my question. Well, we're we're keeping our fingers crossed that November first is uh, is still going to be a, a realistic opening date. Um, we're having a, um, a number of meetings between now and then, especially with some of our funders and supporters of of the clinic. We'll certainly be having a meeting with the, the doctors that have uh, come forward to. Um, participate. And I do want to put a special, special thank you out to them. Um, they are all overworked. They're all overburdened. Um, some of them have just gone into retirement to just to be pulled out to do this work. And so to all of them, I want to say a big thank you. And I want to say thank you for, for not, um, for not backing out because there are some other, you know, pressures and questions about what this means for other doctors in the community. So I want to thank them because they are make, they are going to make a difference. What is the greatest challenge between now and then? Um, I think just basically uh, getting our administrative um, plan in place. Um, I think it's just about uh, getting our frontline. Um, staff person in place that will be triaging at, at the front desk. That's that's still something that we've got to sort out. And, um, you know, just uh, coordinating with the doctors about how how it is all going to operate and, um, and moving forward. But I, I think we've overcome the biggest hurdle, which was the big question was, can we staff this? Can we get enough doctors to come forward? And um, I'm really heartened to say that um, um, we're almost there. You are the mayor. Les Andrews is on council. Both of you are politicians. Is there any involvement by town council in it other than your, your time and energy going into the walk-in clinic? 
Well, it's certainly been something we've discussed at our council uh, table. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's like many issues now in municipal politics, some of the things that we never thought were in our lane or part of what we thought that we would ever have to take any kind of responsibility for or participate in. It's, it's a, it's a whole new world. And ultimately our job as politicians is to do what is good for the community. Will council be making any financial contributions or resource uh, contributions? Um, I don't anticipate, but again, I, I don't want to rule that out. But at this point, I don't anticipate that there's going to be an ask of the municipality for this. Well, then, Hank Kavinsky, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. That was Port Hope Mayor Olena Hankovinsky. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.